Okay. Um, tonight we have a special, special treat. We're having Pastor Brandon um, preach the sermon for tonight. Um, so everybody give him a round of applause as he comes up to preach God's word for us. Thanks. Um, can we just start off by just applauding Kaylee? Like, she's been just heading up, and she did a phenomenal job. If you missed last week, you missed out. And I know it's kind of like the old, like, school saying, if you miss school, you miss out. But seriously, though, if you missed last week, you missed a phenomenal message brought on by our one and only Kaylee. And I just can't applaud you enough, and I know that sometimes... Um, getting up here can be a little intimidating. Sometimes it can be a little different. And I want to say that on the other side of that, sometimes being in these seats can be a little intimidating. It can be a little bit, uh, I can't type and do uh, and talk in a mic at the same time. It won't work well. You guys will just know the pin of my iPad if I do that. So um, I just want to say on on the other side of things, when you are when you're sitting in the the rows, sitting in your seats in these messages, sometimes that can be a really intimidating. Sometimes it can be a process where you just you're like, I just I don't want to hear this anymore. Like you feel it's like I don't know if you've ever sat through a message and maybe you're like they're speaking to my soul, and you're just having those moments. So on that, I just want to start by by just having a, a little bit of fun. Can we do that together? So I, I don't want to be obnoxious about it. We have people right on the other side of the wall, but can you guys just repeat after me? You started too early, Christian. You're already out. Uh, challenge accepted. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Challenge accepted. So have you guys ever felt challenged? No. You, some of you are like, I am all that is awesome, and I cannot be challenged. Um, others of you are like, every single day, I feel challenged. Well, the title of the message is Challenge Accepted. Um, so tonight, we are going to talk about a call to action. Kaylee last week did a phenomenal job talking about the, I see, I'm just taking after Kaylee. I'm already starting to walk back and forth. I love it. Um, but she did an awesome job talking about essentially fleeting goals of the world. So she talked a little bit about how um, the world, we get so caught up on certain things. We get caught up on things like education, like our test that's coming up. We get caught up on the fact of what car we want, or for some of you guys, the the truck you want. Um, We get caught up in maybe a career that we want. We get caught up in a boyfriend or girlfriend that we want. Can we just be honest for a second? Like, Sometimes the other gender is distracting, and it's okay. Uh, we're going we're gonna to work through that kind of together, but also separate because the other gender is icky. So, um, but it doesn't mean these things are bad things, but sometimes we can get so caught up in sacrificing for those that we forget to sacrifice for something even bigger. And that's essentially what Kaylee was getting at last week, is the gospel is worth any sacrifice. The gospel is worth, as Paul said, even death. And we're going to dive into to what that means. What does it mean to sacrifice for that? You see, Paul understood that the gospel is worth any and every sacrifice. And I think we as Americans can kind of struggle with that truth. Sometimes we struggle with the idea of sacrificing because we live in land of the America, right? So we live in like 
either let me have my freedom or get out of my way or I'll take it. We live in the world of here's my big shiny flag and my big truck and I'm just going to go. Um, Christian's laughing because he drives a truck and it's medium sized, let's be honest. So, but my question is, we call this freedom, we call American freedom, but is it really free? Does being a citizen of a country really make us free? You guys didn't have to answer that out loud, but I appreciate it. So then the question is, if that doesn't, for the three people who did answer, if it doesn't mean you're free, then what means you're free? So we're going to dive right into the text because I'm super long-winded and I don't want to hold you too long. Um, so starting off in, we're, we're finishing out the first chapter of Philippians tonight. So we're just going to read the first verse. And it goes like this, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. I don't know about you guys, but when I hear that, I think of like motivational speeches in a movie. Like I think of like a locker room talk, like the, it's halftime. And yeah, Friday night lights, like your team is losing, you're down for the count and your coach comes in and he goes, it's not over yet, guys. We're gonna keep pushing through. We're gonna overcome. We're gonna stand together, right? That's the, the key word in every coach's big talk. We win or we lose together. But it's fine because we're gonna win together. You see, Paul many times throughout the gospel talks about the blessings together that we have when we submit our lives to Jesus. He talks about the power that comes. We've talked in here before about the spiritual gifts and the opportunities that we get to pour into each other's lives, the blessings, the, the wonderful moments, but something we don't always talk about is the suffering that comes with it. And that's where the real challenge steps in. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it's really easy for me to have a positive attitude after something good happens. It's really easy for me if I get like a raise or if I get a new car. Um, it's really easy for me to be super happy, to smile a little extra. Life is good. Kind of feel like you're walking on air a little bit until something bad happens. The other day I had a uh, a conversation with my brother-in-law, uh, him and my sister are getting ready to move to Missouri, and they offered me a boat, and I was like, absolutely, I want a boat for free. What kind of question is that? And so, so I got this boat, and I was like, wow, I got a boat. Um, I got all this cool stuff, and because he was just like trying to not fill his U-Haul like more than he could and like strap things on the top of a U-Haul and all of that. So he's just like throwing things at me, and I'm super excited. Um, but what also happened in, within a couple days of that is my brake lights decided they didn't want to turn off anymore. The problem with that is not that people don't know when you stop. The problem with that is your battery goes dead. And if you ever go to, to start your car when the battery's dead, you find out it doesn't start. And in those moments, it's really easy to get really negative. It's really easy to look at all those blessings and just throw them out the window like someone just came and repoed everything and just took it to the dump. And in those moments, 
I had all these blessings going on, and the first time this brake light situation happened, my mood just tanked. I was so focused on that one little sacrifice of, oh, man, I got to, like, disconnect my battery. Like, heaven forbid I take one more minute to leave my car, right, guys? But we can get so focused that we forget that sometimes sacrifices are good. Sometimes it means we can pause. Sometimes it means we don't rush into a building forgetting our lunch in the car and then it goes bad because it's like 9 million degrees lately. You see, just like we once heard in a movie, with great power comes great responsibility, right? So with the gospel, there's a lot of great power in that. There's a lot of great blessings. But there's also some responsibility that comes with that. You see, this verse is really a call to action. When you live as a citizen of anywhere, there's obligation behind that. You can't just run around saying, I'm a citizen here. Like, you can, but everyone looks at you and goes, are you really? You can't just comment about it from time to time, but, like, to truly be a citizen, a participant, you have to engage. You have to represent Being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven means standing together. It means when life gets hard, we we join alongside our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and we acknowledge that sometimes life is so hard, but it's okay. Because there's someone beside me. There's someone walking through the hard parts with me. It amazes me. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this, but it amazes me how all of a sudden you can learn so much about someone by the holiday that pops up. Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, someone never wears red, white, and blue. They don't talk about the country. They don't anything. And then the 4th of July pops up. And all of a sudden, they're completely decked out, and they're talking about how they just spent like $9 million on fireworks and the Destruction Derby and all of these things that are like celebrating Like, let freedom ring nation, right? But the rest of the year, they don't talk anything about it. The other holiday that really really reminds me of this is St. Patrick's Day. We have a picture that we're going to show really quick. Um, Around St. Patrick's Day, this is kind of normal. Like, Like, if you see someone, you're like, okay, you're a little weird, but like, St. Patrick's Day, it's not a huge deal. Um, But if someone walked in here right now dressed like that, there's some judgment in the room in that moment, right? All of a sudden, their Irish roots come out on St. Patrick's Day, and I don't understand that. So why is it that sometimes we have moments where our citizenship shows and sometimes it doesn't? Christian, there's nothing wrong wrong with Irish, but if you are it, then claim it the whole time, my friend. Does that mean you just farted, Christian? What's going on over there? Do we need to give you a chair buffer? We could do that. So Paul expects us to not just claim citizenship, but to act on it. He expects us to live in a way that people notice your citizenship that people notice that you are a citizen of heaven because they notice that there's something about you that's different than the rest of the world. But what does that look like? What does it mean to look a little different, to look like a citizen of heaven? Does it mean like your hair is perfect all the time? Christian, your hair's not perfect. Stop trying. 
you're just going to be the target of everything if you keep doing this, Christian. We can go all night. But does it mean you have the best clothes? Does it mean you never trip? You never fail a test? You never do anything wrong? I don't think it does. I think it looks more like a heart posture. The text continues in verse 28, and it says, Don't be intimidated by any way or in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. That's some strong language when we start talking about destroying anything. So there's a point being proven here. See, the the original text that comes into this, I'm going to point out the, the word intimidation. Because I don't know about you, but when I, when I talk about intimidation, I often think these small things. So I found it really funny when the Greek word that was originally used is much more severe. The Greek word was actually rep, more re, naturally represented in the modern day language as terrified. So when it says don't be intimidated, it means don't be terrified by an enemy. When you come up to persecution, you can't be terrified by that. You see, Paul was pointing out to the Philippian Christians that he wrote this to that had been completely terrified of their enemies. This wasn't just a like, oh, we don't really get along, and I just kind of step on the other side of the hallway. This is like you go into the school hallway, and you see them like, a football field away, and you run the other way. We have a, we have a little video clip we're going to play that's kind of going to demonstrate this, this level of fear, I think. So, Hunter, if you could, if you could play that, that would be. This is so much better with sound. In the gorge. Simba's on that. Notice Simba. Like, that's the intimidation they're talking about. Because he's all of the size of my foot, Christian. But on the other side of this, you have Mufasa. There's a level of boldness in what Mufasa does. Knowing that no matter what happens, he's got a job. No matter how much suffering he endures through this, he's got a job. And his job is to eat Simba. Just kidding. That's good, Hunter, right there. You see, the intimidation that that Paul is referencing is the exact intimidation that we saw in Simba's face when he saw the antelope coming. That moment of there's nothing I can do. Uh, Okay, it's a bunch of animals running at him that are eight times his size, Christian. It doesn't matter. But the point is, he's this big. Christian, he's this big. And he's facing in his eyes giants. 
wildebeest. Thank you. But in those moments, when we are in those situations, what Paul's saying is that we need to act more like Mufasa does in this scene. We need to know that we have a job to do. For Mufasa in this scene, it was to protect his son. And sometimes that's our job. It's to protect others. It's to protect the little guy, the, the person who's not getting treated right. Sometimes it's just to lay down a boundary. Sometimes it's to say that's not right. But it's our job to step out in boldness. It's our job to own that no matter what the sacrifice is, it's worth it. And when Mufasa jumps into that, that valley, that's what he's doing. He knows he can be hurt. He can be kicked. He can be ran over by like 40 of these wildebeests. Thank you. Or exactly what happens, and he can die. Spoiler alert, if you've somehow made it this far without seeing Lion King. But it didn't matter because he had a job to do, and that, that was worth any sacrifice. And as Christ followers, that's how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live in a way that says, whatever the cost, I'm going to pay it. We're just like the Philippians. Anytime that we get challenged, anytime that we see persecution, anytime that we see the opportunity to, to meet a little resistance when we speak about the gospel, and instead of actually saying it, we turn our back. We get quiet. Can I be vulnerable with you guys and say it's not just you? We as Christians have a way of saying someone else will take care of it. We as Christians have a way of saying, hey, it's not that big a deal. Can I tell you that sin is a big deal? Can I tell you that every time that we don't stand firmly, that we don't use a little bit of boldness, the enemy thinks he's winning. You see, young people, what I'm trying to tell you is that what you should be wanting, what we as Christ followers should be wanting is to be judged by the world, is to be shunned by the world to be disagreed with by the world. It's a good thing. It doesn't feel good. When we have to stand up to our friends and say, hey, I saw what you just did and that's not okay. It doesn't feel good to tell our siblings that. It doesn't good to when, as you guys start getting jobs and you have those opportunities. John 15, 19 says this though. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. That's a really hard truth. It's really hard to hear that anyone and anything hates you. We live in a world where we want to hide from that statement. 
We live in a world where we would just assume, pretend that everything's okay and everyone's right and you live your truth and I'll live my truth. Um, but can I really tell you, um, it's either true or it's false. I wish I could come up here and say, you know what? It's all true. I wish I could just go down, go down every single row and go through all of your school's hallways and, and just say, you're doing it right, high five. You're doing it right, high five. You're doing it right, high five. I wish I could go through some of the places I've worked and do that. And I'm here to tell you that workplaces, as you get into adulthood, are just as messed up as schools. Doesn't matter what age. Sometimes I think we as adults have a, a really bad way of, of for, forecasting and pretending like youth are worse. And I'm going to tell you from, from three-year-olds to 98-year-olds, we're all messed up. We all make those wrong choices. But we have to stand firm and be okay with the fact that the world's going to hate us sometimes if we're living as Christ wants us to live. If we're living the way that Christ is calling us to, if we're willing to step out when things get uncomfortable, not just stand behind the table, but truly step out and to say, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I've noticed some things, and I don't think that God approves. Sometimes that's the hardest statement to say. If I'm being honest with you, I can even say that I could go to my family and say those, have those same conversations. I could go to my family and say, hey, I love you, but you got to figure this out. You are so loved. You are so cared for that God sent his son to die for you. And you're acting like you don't even care. So that's why Paul's feeling a little offended when he's saying, act like a citizen of heaven. He doesn't say act like a citizen of WF West. He doesn't say act like a citizen of Shehalis or of the United States, but he says a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You see, citizens of heaven stand firm in their faith. And the reason they do that is because the battle's been won. Because the tomb is empty. Jesus conquered death. Satan lost. So it's our job when we encounter persecution, when we encounter people that are disagreeing with God's written word, to stand firm. Because the moment we back away is the moment that the enemy feels like he's gaining ground that he's not gaining. All we're doing is giving him false hope. Our job is to give true hope, to give true love. But it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to stand firm in your faith. It's not going to be easy to stand firm and say, I'm a citizen of heaven. God has already chosen me. But it's going to be worth it. The text continues, and it says, For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past. And you know that I am still in the midst of it. That doesn't sound super encouraging at first, I'll admit. 
But this Greek word that was used for suffering was pasco. What pasco meant oftentimes was persecution, but sometimes in the Bible it meant hardships. It meant the things like when your brake lights come on and they don't like to go off. It meant when you're facing resistance, when you fail a test and you don't know what to do and you're worried about when you get home what your parents are going to say. You see, what helps us is to see that suffering is common in believers. That it's not something when we as a believer get in the mindset of what is God doing to me because I am suffering and I'm the only Christ follower suffering, that's not healthy and it's not true. We have to acknowledge that we suffer together. That we if, we, if we could dive into the lives of each and every person in this room, we could find there's something in their life that's causing them to suffer too. We only suffer though through the things that God allows us to endure. Matthew 17, 15, a man is coming to Jesus and he says this statement. He says, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I don't know about you guys. I can't speak for your, your, uh, your individual lives, but I can tell you for me, I have never had a physical suffering that was quite that bad. That was to the level where I had a seizure and I fell into fire and then I had a seizure while I, where I fell into water and then I did it all again and again and again to where, it can, where he can say that it's a plural thing where he often falls into the fire and into the water. But what I can tell you guys is that I've been sick and I thought I was gonna die. I remember not long ago when I got sick, I felt so weak, super vulnerable, just being honest with you guys. I felt so weak that I remember crying to my wife. I remember telling her, I just want this to end. I remember telling her that I didn't think I was going to make it through. But I never had seizures, guys. I've never had a seizure in my life. I've never been in a severe car accident. I've never had to go to war. My parents have never been divorced. I could go on and on about all the suffering that I haven't endured, and I bet you a lot of you have. But you know what, you know what really helped when, when she came and interrupted me in that conversation? She let me vent a little bit and, and, and cry a little bit and whine a little bit. She let me get through that part. And then she said, you know what, it's okay, though, because you're not the only one who's suffered. You're not the only one that's been through hard things, and you'll make it through this time because God continues to be faithful. In the hardest of moments, the thing we have to remind ourselves and the thing we have to be reminded of is that God continues to be there with us through our suffering. F.B. Meyer said, everyone cannot be trusted was suffering. All could not stand the fiery ordeal. They would speak rashly and complainingly, so the master has to select carefully, scrutiny the branches which can stand the knife. What what FBF Meyer is not saying is that some people get to suffer and some people don't. 
But what he is saying is for physical suffering specifically, not everyone can handle that. But can I tell you guys that not everyone can handle mental suffering. Not everyone can handle anxiety. Not everyone can handle depression. Not everyone can handle their parents getting divorced. Not everyone can handle getting an F on their math test. Some of you, most of you guys are like, dude, it's summer. Don't bring up school. Don't ruin it. We have a few weeks left. But suffering is a side effect of following Jesus. See, just like in the, in the clip we just watched, Mufasa knew that he would suffer. He knew running into the middle of a stampede of like thousands of these animals, he wasn't going to come out feeling better than when he ran in. But he had a job. His job was to be a father, to protect. So what's your job as a citizen of heaven? in the season of life you are in right now. You don't have to wait to be 18 to be a citizen in the heaven. You don't have to wait to know that it's worth suffering for. It's worth standing firm for. Just as it comes in our territory as citizens of heaven. There are moments of suffering in your life that God has allowed to be in your life. I want you guys to think about that for a second. God has allowed you specifically. And the first thought we have is, wow, that's really mean. Because we think about our friend that was kind of a jerk and hit us because they thought it was funny. But can I tell you that when God allows you to suffer through something, it's because he knows you're strong enough to work through it. It's because he knows that as you, as you drive through the suffering, you're going to be so much closer to him. You're going to love the great things in your life that much more. Sometimes the hardest thing we suffer through is a conversation. Sometimes it's ending a friendship. Sometimes it's having a conversation with someone that we should end the friendship. Sometimes it's physical pain. Sometimes it's persecution. Sometimes it's temptation. Hardships, as we've talked about. Physical. Are you ill? Do you feel broken? Suffering looks like so many different things. That's why it's hard to talk about, guys. Because when we sit down with someone, our suffering never looks the same. And we get so caught up in the fact that they're suffering with this and I'm suffering with that, so we're different and it's not the same, it's not gonna work. They don't understand. But what we can all understand is we understand how it feels to hurt. We understand what it feels like to need help because of suffering, to need to stand firmly side by side. Can we just take a moment? It's, it's just been really heavy, right? I know it's been heavy when you guys are quiet the whole time. So can we just take a moment and just, I want you just to, to look at someone in your row. 
you can start now, and I, and I'll go from there. Just just make some eye contact. Don't make it weird. Don't like be doing like little raised eyebrows and stuff. It's okay to giggle a little bit. Christian, you're already making it weird, and he didn't even turn his head yet. But I want you to make eye contact and say it's okay. We'll do a repeat after me again. It's okay. Youth leaders, it's okay for you to do this too. It's good for you too. We all suffer. Say, it's okay to suffer. But it's not okay. You guys say words really slow if you're still talking. We'll start that sentence over again. It's not okay to suffer alone. You are a citizen of heaven. Now act like it. Okay, you guys can look up here again. Some of you guys were making it weird. Can't handle your weirdness anymore. Kaylee, we'll talk later. See, God trusted you. He trusted you to walk through some hard things. And can I tell you, on behalf of your youth leader team, on behalf of Pastor Taylor, on behalf of Pastor Kyle, if you don't know who Pastor Kyle is, by the way, he's our lead pastor. And I'm going to tell you on behalf of them how proud we are of Bethel Youth. We brag on you so much. Because we know sometimes life just sucks. You don't hear many of the pastors say that probably, but that's okay. But it does. There's some really hard moments. But we love seeing that you guys continue to act like citizens of heaven. You guys can continue to come back here each and every week. We love seeing that you guys serve. We love coming in here and seeing you guys playing nine square and dragging new people over to nine square, saying, you got to try this game. The fact that you guys continue to grow. Can I tell you on behalf of the staff, that's, a more, that's more of a testimony to your guys' effect, middle schoolers and high schoolers, than anything, anyone I can invite, anyone Pastor Taylor can invite, your youth leaders can invite. When people come to this and they continue coming, it's because you guys act like citizens of heaven. Because you guys demonstrate the love of Christ. So I'm proud of you. We are proud of you. So the big idea tonight is being a citizen of heaven means standing boldly in the face of suffering. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that is so full of hardships, of broken relationships, mental illness, so many more types of suffering. But there's a light. And you guys just said what that light is. You don't do it alone. The best part of being a citizen of somewhere is it means you're not alone anymore. 
There's responsibilities, yes. But you can't keep throwing things on your back and pretending the, the backpack never gets full. You can't keep pretending you can do it all. Because when it does, you end up crying and talking to someone and asking them for all of it to just end. I want to remind you of what verse 27 said. It said, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose fighting together. If there's one thing you can take away, it's to never suffer alone. God didn't build you that way. God built you, built you for community, for conversation, to have joy in your life, and you don't do that by yourself. You see, even, even in the hardest moments, even when you feel all alone, even if you were to move away from here, one of the great things about being a kingdom of God is you have family everywhere you go. Can I tell you that there is not a place on the earth that you can go where God won't stand next to you? where God won't bring people to you, where he won't spread his love around you. So we're gonna pray and then we're gonna jump into our small groups. So Lord, help us. Lord, we are thankful that you have surrounded us by people that you surrounded us by your love, that you surrounded us by brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and youth leaders and teachers and just so many people that continue to pour into us. Lord, and I pray over these students that you continue to reveal what it means to suffer as a citizen of heaven because it's not the same as suffering as a citizen of the world. Lord, I pray that you pull people around these students, these youth leaders, in a way that they can't help but see your hand at play. They can't help but encounter your love over and over again, day in and day out, even in the hardest moments of their life. Lord, I pray that they continue to get reminded of your faithfulness, of your truth, of your love, of the fact that you chose them before they ever chose you. You chose us. Lord, I pray when we encounter moments where it just feels like the world is against us, that you just remind us that's okay because you are not against us, because you're rooting for us. Lord, surround us by people that make us feel like we get to suffer alongside of others. That help us to never feel like we have to suffer alone or suffer in silence. Surround us by people that continue to ask us the question of what's going on when they can tell that there's something going wrong, but we don't want to talk about it. That we think it's better if we just bottle it up. Lord, we stand in this broken world calling out to you. 
longing for you and seeking you. We love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. All right, guys. Well, we're going to jump into our small groups and a couple of quick questions for you to just ponder and talk about in your groups will be on the screen. And uh, if this is your first time or you can't remember, we will have boys in the back of the room, ladies up front, and then we'll do middle school on this wall and high school on this wall.